Chapter Twenty of the Flight of the Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jenny Wallace. The Flight of the Shadow by George MacDonald. A Strange Visit. On the fifth night after that on which he left me to walk home, I was roused about two o'clock by a sharp sound as of sudden hail against my window, ceasing as soon as it began. Wondering what it was, for hail it could hardly be, I sprang from the bed, pulled aside the curtain, and looked out. There was light enough in the moon to show me a man looking up at the window, and love enough in my heart to tell me who he was. How he knew the window mine, I have always forgotten to ask him. I would have drawn back, for it vexed me sorely to think him too weak to hold to our agreement, but the face I looked down upon was so ghastly and death-like that I perceived at once his coming must have its justification. I did not speak, for I would not have any in the house here, but, putting on my shoes and a big cloak, I went softly down the stair, opened the door noiselessly, and ran to the other side of the house. There stood John, with his eyes fixed on my window. As I turned the corner I could see, by their weary flashing, that either something terrible had happened, or he was very ill. He stood motionless, unaware of my approach. "'What is it?' I said, under my breath, putting a hand on his shoulder. He did not turn his head or answer me, but grew yet whiter, gasped, and seemed ready to fall. I put my arm round him, and his head sank on the top of mine." Whatever might be the matter, the first thing was to get him into the house and make him lie down. I moved a little, holding him fast, and mechanically he followed his support, so that, although with some difficulty, I soon got him round the house and into the great hall kitchen, our usual sitting-room. There was fire there that would only want rousing, and warm as was the night, I felt him very cold. I let him sink on the wide sofa, covered him with my cloak, and ran to rouse old Penny. They aged sleep lightly, and she was up in an instant. I told her that a gentleman I knew had come to the house, either sleep-walking or delirious, and she must come and help me with him. She struck a light and followed me to the kitchen. John lay with his eyes closed in a dead faint. We got him to swallow some brandy, and presently he came to himself a little. Then we put him in my warm bed and covered him with blankets. In a minute or so he was fast asleep. He had not spoken a word. I left Penny to watch him, and went and dressed myself, thinking hard. The result was that, having enjoined Penny to let no one near him, whoever it might be, I went to the stable, saddled Zoe, and set off for Wittenage. It was sixteen miles of a ride. The moon went down, and the last of my journey was very dark, for the night was cloudy but we arrived in safely, just as the dawn was promising to come as soon as it could. No one in the town seemed up, or thinking of getting up. I had learned a lesson from John, however, and I knew Martha's window, which happily looked on the street. I got off Zoe, who was tired enough to stand still, for she was getting old and I had not spared her, and proceeded to search for a stone small enough to throw at the window. The scared face of Martha showed itself almost immediately. "'It's me,' I cried, no louder than she could just hear. "'It's me, Martha. Come down and let me in.' 
Without a word of reply, she left the window, and after some fumbling with a lock, opened the door, and came out to me, looking grey with scare, but none the less with all her wits to her hand. "'How is my uncle, Martha?' I asked. "'Much better,' she answered. "'Then I must see him at once. "'He's fast asleep, child. It would be a world's pity to wake him.' "'It would be a worse pity not,' I returned. "'Very well. Must be must,' she answered. I made Zoe fast to the lamp-post. The night was warm, and as hot as she was, she would take no hurt. Then I followed Martha up the stair. But my uncle was awake. He had heard a little of our motions and whisperings, and lay in expectation of something. "'I thought I should hear from you soon,' he said. "'I wrote to Mr. Day on Thursday, but have had no reply. What has happened? Nothing serious, I hope.' "'I hardly know, uncle. John Day is lying at our house, unable to move or speak.' My uncle started up, as if to spring from his bed, but fell back again with a groan. "'Don't be alarmed, uncle,' I said. "'He is, I hope, safe for the moment, with Penny to watch him. But I am very anxious Dr. Southwell should see him.' "'How did it come about, little one?' "'There has been no accident that I know of, but I scarcely know more than you,' I replied, and told him all that had taken place within my ken. He lay silent a moment, thinking. "'I can't say I like his lying there with only Penny to protect him,' he said. "'He must have come seeking refuge. I don't like the thing at all. He is in some danger we do not know.' "'I will go back at once, uncle,' I replied, and rose from the bedside, where I had seated myself a little tired. "'You must, if we cannot do better. But I think we can. Martha shall go, and you will stay with me. Run at once and wake Dr. Southwell. Ask him to come directly.' I ran all the way—it was not far—and pulled the doctor's night-bell. He answered it himself. I gave him my uncle's message, and he was at the inn a few minutes after me. My uncle told him what had happened, and begged him to go and see the patient, carrying Martha with him in his gig. The doctor said he would start at once. My uncle begged him to give strictest orders that no one was to see Mr. Day, whoever it might be. Martha heard, and grew like a colonel of dragoons ordered to charge with his regiment. In less than half an hour they started, at a pace that delighted me. When Zoe was put up and attended to, and I was alone with my uncle, I got him some breakfast to make up for the loss of his sleep. He told me it was better than sleep to have me near him. What I went through that night and the following day I need not recount. Whoever has loved one in danger and out of her reach will know what it was like. The doctor did not make his appearance until five o'clock, having seen several patients on his way back. The young man, he reported, was certainly in for a fever of some kind. He could not yet pronounce which. He would see him again on the morrow, he said, and by that time it would have declared itself. Someone in the neighborhood must watch the case. It was impossible for him to give it sufficient attention. My uncle told him he was now quite equal to the task himself, and we would all go together the next day. My delight at the proposal was almost equaled by my satisfaction that the doctor made no objection to it. For joy I scarcely slept that night. I was going to nurse John. But I was anxious about my uncle. He assured me, however, that in one day more he would in any case have insisted on returning. If it had not been for a little lingering fever, he said, he would have gone much sooner. "'That was because of me, uncle,' I answered with contrition. "'Perhaps,' he replied, "'but I had a blow on the head, you know. 
"'There is one good thing,' I said. "'You will know John the sooner from seeing him ill. "'But perhaps you will count that only a mood, uncle, and not to be trusted.' "'He smiled. "'I think he was not very anxious about the result of a nearer acquaintance with John Day. "'I believe he had some faith in my spiritual instinct.' "'Uncle went with the doctor in his brougham, and I rode Zoe. "'The back of the house came first in sight, "'and I saw the window-blinds of my room still down. "'The doctor had pronounced it the fittest for the invalid, "'and would not have him move to the guest-chamber Penny had prepared for him. "'In the only room I had ever occupied as my own, "'I nursed John for the space of three weeks. "'From the moment he saw me he began to improve.' My uncle noted this, and I fancy liked John the better for it, nor did he fail to note the gentleness and gratitude of the invalid. End of a Strange Visit